Hello and welcome to our live stream on Tuesday, July 7th, 2020. Today we're talking about, again, the book Gone West in part two, all from the officer and his first impressions of hell. I introduced him last week and you can look at this on my YouTube or my BitChute channels, my last uh, video on this. Before I start, please subscribe, hit the bell, give us a comment. It's all good for the algorithm. Tell your friends. Now, I give a live stream every Sunday and Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern United States time. I just talked to someone in North Africa. And of course, that would be, I believe, uh, nine o'clock at night on his time. So it's all time zones different, different around the world. So please join me on my live streams on YouTube, ask questions the last Sunday night. In fact, Sunday night we're talking about now is a book, Violets on the Window, about a, a young woman and her first impressions of heaven. So right now, for some reason, we're kind of juxtaposing heaven and hell. Now this is, this talk is about the officer. The officer is a very interesting, very focused uh, person, uh, very smart. and you know, just, you could call it, you know, immensely uh, ruthless and focused. And and he has all the beginnings of being a great leader once he turns his, his eyes to the light and to the good. I hear that and I read that many times in different spiritist literatures, especially by the spirits who talk to the Reverend G. Val Owen. And they say, you know, they talk about this, like these leaders of these cities in the lower zone or in hell. And they, and they go, oh, that guy, he says, once he turns and he, he uses all his strength and his focus and his energy to the good, he will rise up very quickly in the spiritual hierarchy. And that should that should tell us something. You know, think of, of what a company wants for them to have a valued employee. They want someone who's self-disciplined, who can focus on what they need to focus on and get things done. And that's what heaven wants too. They want, but they want both. They want it all. They want us to be good, get rid of our primitive emotions, and yet still retain our immense and intense intellectual uh, activity and, and curiosity. And we always need to have that thirst to learn more and more. So this is a clue for anyone. This is why I talk, right? I'm trying to give everybody clues of what's the spirit world is about. What do they want? What's happening for you to make your own decisions, if you want or not, to change your path in your life or to change your character, your attitude. It's a lot of work. I know I've been working on it for more than 10 years and I'm still not where I want. Believe me, we rewiring your brain to get rid of your habits of not gossiping and thinking bad about people, because after all, all thoughts are recorded by the spirit world, is not an easy uh, task. And therefore, I'm trying to give you all this information so you can make your own decision. Now, let's get into the officer's first impressions in hell. So when our, the, uh, our medium of, of the book, J.S.M. Ward, what he does and I give the link to the book in the description section. He, now he sits and he talks to the, you know, these people. So now this is, this is where he gets the second letter from the officer. And this is JSM Ward saying, he took me away. I know not where, but it was into an awful darkness. 
Soon I was aware of a vast crowd of other spirits. Where am I? I cried to my guide. Where would you like to be? He asked. Whatever place you wish to go, you shall. And this is the officer saying it now. Because I want a drink, I cried. So, so I, to set this right, the officer had just died and his old friend met him. And then, he, you know, they, he was at, like, at, at his funeral. And then he said, let's go get a drink. And he goes, okay. And, and he says, and then the officer said, I want a drink. And then this guy said, come along. We, we have one here who looks after all who thirst. In a moment, I was aware of a howling mob and over them presided a being. How I shall describe him. He most closely resembled a drunken man, low, bestial, sodden with drink, foul in every way. There was nothing grand or majestic about him, nothing of what Milton describes, a ruined splendor. The nearest thing you can ever have seen is some drunken, sodden wretch thrown out of a pub at closing, closing time. He leered, and we all yelled, drink, give us drink. Come with me, he seemed to say, but you'll have to work first. In a moment, we were in a large, low-drinking den, somewhere, I should think, in the east end of London. It was crowded with low men and women and even children. Oh, what a lovely smell of gin and whiskey there was. It is true there was rather too much loaded cheap beer. Still, one can't be too particular. So, let's, where is our officer right now? He's not yet in the dark abyss. And what the spiritists would say is a purgatory. They don't call it hell, but the officer would call it hell. The officer is still in the lower zone. What is the lower zone? The lower zone is on the crust of the earth until you get to the first levels of heaven. And now he's actually on the crust of the earth and he's with physical incarnated men and women and unfortunately even some children in that cheap bar. So I'll carry on with the officer. But when I wanted to get hold of a glass of beer, which was standing on the bar, I was unable to hold it. The desire for it grew stronger and stronger, and I seemed to contort myself with a kind of mad fury. I looked at the drink guide, and he was laughing and jeering and mocking me. At last he said, work, you lazy brute. He goes, and then the officer said, well, how can I? He goes, look what the others are doing. Then I noticed that many of the others were twining themselves around the men and women who were drinking. I cannot exactly describe how they did it, but they seem to be insinuating themselves into their carcasses. Now, let me stop there again. Now, this is very interesting. This is, again, told to us by different spiritual literature. These spirits who are incarnate, right? They are, they are, they, they are discarnated, I should say. That means they're not in the human form their spirit form, and they're just right with all this other crowd of incarnates, and yet they want to feel the sensation of liquor. Or it could be anything. It could be a drug addict. It could be methamphetamine. It could be heroin, just a cigarette, anything. What they do is they actually almost enter the body of that physical person, and then they can feel the sensation of the drink or the smoke or whatever they want to feel. They will feel that. Now, doesn't, you know, that's a little bit frightening for those of us that go on our daily, our daily lives, right? If you're in a bar, who knows who's next to you saying, what they do is they put in your mind, they go, drink, drink. In fact, there was a great scene from uh, one of the books by uh, Andre Louise, the spirit Andre Louise, uh, psychographed by Chico Xavier. And this man came home 
and he sat down he started reading the paper and the spirit was in the house waiting for him and he said he sent a mental wave saying ask for something to drink you're thirsty you want you know you want some alcohol and he read for a little bit he goes i need a drink so think of this this you know think of these urges coming to you thinking that they're their urges from you and their habits from you and they're actually other spirits and it, it's amazing to think that we're here on this earth intermingled with good bad and indifferent you know sometimes malicious and then there's good spirits too of course that they're around us and then think about the poor alcoholics or the drug addict who are trying to quit and they're they're trying to get rid of that habit and but they have spirits who say they don't want them to break their habits because they have this this you know, go-to guy to always feel what it's like to get, you know, to get plastered or high or whatever. Think how hard it is for them. That's why I think AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, is successful because they really try to bring in the spirituality aspect. Because once you bring in the spirituality aspect and you start praying and asking for forgiveness and asking for help, you'll have good spirits trying to give you good ideas and strength to withstand these temptations. But this is, you know, this is life. This is the, this is where we're at on this earth. So then I'll carry on with the officer. He goes, suddenly I saw a man who was already fairly tipsy drop into a kind of drunken stupor. And once the spirit who had been twining around him, he started absorbing into him, began to fade into him and soon seemed to be absorbed into him. He was gone. And lo, the man staggered to his feet and yelled, more beer. And, and, so then the barmaid gave him some more, but I could see that it was not the drunk man, but my spirit companion who was, as it were, shining out of his eyes. He drank and drank and got more and more violent. Till at length, the sucker, you know, he, they seized him by the shoulders. He had once seized a quart pot and failed the man. So the, the bouncer tried to get him up, but then the guy took a pot and hit him on the head. And he, you know, split the poor guy's skull. He says, then there was pandemonium. Many of the drinkers rushed out shouting murder with them. In some cases went to spirits who has twined themselves around them. So they just became part of them. But others seemed to cast off. I noticed for the first time that these spirits were divisible into two groups. Those who were obviously men and those who were not. The latter had various forms, all the more or less bestial. I cannot describe them. They were foul, misshapen things not human or animal, sometimes composite, with animal heads and humans' bodies, some head only, some foul monstrosities with no shape or form, things what might see in DT, delirium tremens after you're trying to withdraw from your drink, but nowhere else. So let's talk about what he saw. So he saw spirits who looked like themselves even though they died, but then he saw misshapen, monstrous spirits he saw spirits that were just like just heads or or like ovids or you probably describe later so all these things are discarnate spirits in different levels of spiritual uh re retrograde i i could say and this again is talked about in the books by uh jivaon and i talked about this in my book heaven and below when i talk about heaven the lower zone and hell and of course the books by Chico Xavier. So let's talk about these two groups. So the ones who were, which he describes, often describes as men, are ones who have not been, been 
have not yet related what they really are into their spirits or have been told by, by some sort of hypnotic suggestion of what they should look like or what they've, or what they've gone down to into the road of hell. They've, there are probably ones who are, are not really bad or, are are evil people, but they're material people. They're tied to the earth. They haven't gone down into the lower zone. I mean, to the dark abyss or what the officer would call hell. They're still on the lower zone, still on the crust of the earth, but they're still tied to alcohol or whatever, you know, drug of their choice. Then you've got the ones that come up from the dark abyss, the ones that have been, who are foul, misshapen things, as the officer called sometimes humans. Now, these people are so, God bless them, right? They're in such bad straits that they become what they think they are. And if they think they are some sort of animal or, or some higher, uh, kind of higher demon type spirit, you know, which I don't mean demon in the sense we were just a spirit that's, that's been in hell for a long time and has lots of power. If that spirit has told them that they look like that, then that suggestion will get to them because that spirit has a greater will and they will force them to look like that. In fact, there's a scene in the book Liberation, which there is a, a kind of a judge spirit in, in one of the cities in the dark abyss or as hell as the officer would call. And he said, and his job is to bring in all these newcomers in hell and decide what's going to happen to them. And this woman says, and, and this judge, by the way, used to be a pope. And the story about him is he was a pope. He first went to heaven and he wasn't treated with the respect he thought he should have been. And he went right back down to hell. Interesting, is it not? So this judge said, okay, you, well, you know, what are you doing here? And this woman says, well, and he goes, no, you, you're going to tell me the truth. And he just like, with his force of his will, and remember this, I'm going to talk about this later in later episodes on this book, because it, the force of will comes very important to the officer. By force of his will, he says, no, you tell us what you did. He goes, well, you know, I killed my husband. I could care less about my children. And, you know, I, and I paid someone to kill him. And, and then she goes, I, I want a drink. And he says, no, you look, you're here because you should be here. And, you know, you're not a woman. You're, you know, you're a beast. You're a wolf. And then, and then Andre Louise in the book, um, Liberation saw her actually kind of change her appearance in a kind of a wolf-like manner for her, her face. And that's what she thought she was, right? She, she was not a, a wonderful person. She would have looked wonderful. No, she was a, in her mind and in the spirits, when they talk, they don't like to say, evil person they like to say ignorant an ignorant spirit but in her mind she was herself evil and therefore she looked that way and so you, you can see back in the old days right when people would have dreams or visions they would see these misshapen spirits and think that there was such thing as werewolves and and all sorts of really horrible monsters out there in the dark because if they've had visions or dreams of them, and some people, of course, even now can see spirits and they see them uh, in this shape, they're naturally quite frightened. And, and therefore, so all these things can be different. And in fact, you know, and they can, 
even Henri Louis saw things that were just like ovens, right? Just like eggs. And they had, they had existed so long in this loop of going over and over of what they wanted to do evil to someone and, you know, these type of things that they've even lost their paraspirit form. And it will take a long time for them to get out of that, by the way. Then they, so, because you know, our paraspirit is our form that we have. The paraspirit is our connection between our incarnated body, our physical body, and our spirit. And then when we're, when we get rid of our temporary body, our paraspirit is like what we look like as a human, but it's a lot less dense and we're in the spirit world. These people, and of course, your thoughts can change how your paraspirit looks. You, you, you make your own clothes. You know, what if I, when I die and pass over and go to heaven, I'm going to get rid of my gray hair. I'll look younger, right? Um, all those things. I won't need glasses because that's how I think I want to be. And that's how my paraspirit will make me feel. But these people who are drinking, you know, they are that way because that's how they think they are. So let me carry on. So anyway, um, before I go, I'm just trying to explain to you the importance of your thoughts because thought is action in the spirit world. Now the officers keep saying, meanwhile, the drunkard who had failed the bouncer stood waving his beer pot. Then I heard a fierce, wild yell of laughter and saw our guide laughing and cheering. We all begin to cheer too. Why? I don't know. Then the companion had the companion who had taken possession of the drunkard began to disentangle himself from him as it were. He was out and lo, the man collapsed in the heap. He's dead, I suppose, I said to a friend. It was old Billy. He goes, oh no, only drunk, but he'll swing for it, I expect. So we shall soon have another to join our merry throng. But it was not really he that did it. Of course not, but who's going to tell that to the jury? They'll learn he's had a grudge against the bouncer and has several times been sworn to do him in. Are you going to witness to the truth? He laughed and so did the other. So all these spirits got this guy in trouble. Then he says, just then a policeman entered and soon a dozen people were busy explaining what had happened. Several more men in blue entered and picked up the drunken man and carried him out. Well done, said the Grand Master of the Ceremonies, as Billy facetiously called him. Well, now you others go and do likewise. So here's this poor drunk was influenced by ill-intentioned spirits, did a, a uh, act of violence. So think how that happens. Think of these, these young adolescent, you know, mostly boys, unfortunately, committing robberies and all that. It's just they're spiritually, unfortunately, they're spiritually immature and they haven't learned that they need to filter out these stupid ideas. Like this is just like junior high or middle school, right? Where when we were 13 and 14, if we wanted a stupid idea, all we had to do is ask our friends, right? They always had dumb things for us to do. But that's what we really go through in our life here on this earth, this planet of atonement. Now you may ask, why does God allow these people to give us these stupid ideas? Well, there is a very good reason. Let me step back for a second. We're on a planet of atonement. So that means that karma really reigns, karma and reincarnation. So we have to go through pre-planned trials so we can learn what we did wrong in our past life and learn not to do that again. Now that can take many forms and that could be a whole nother talk, but just bear with me for a second. Now, 
as part of our learning, we need to take out our primitive emotions and replace them with uplifting emotions, charity, love, fraternity, honesty. And we need to do that in every environment because someday we will be a higher spirit and a higher spirit creates by thought. And that higher spirit may have to go to planets like the earth and work with primitive spirits, ignorant spirits, and put up with all of these people and then learn all about them and learn to, to guide them in the right direction and learn to handle different stimuli all over from huge crowds. What are the, you know, this is something you have to learn in order to rise and ascend into heaven. So in essence, we are here learning that we have to be good and we have to, we have to learn to filter out the dumb ideas, the destructive ideas, the mean ideas, the petty ideas. We are like the people in boot camp that are slogging through the muddy field on our, on our bellies with the, with the demonic sergeant firing live machine guns, right? Uh, ammo over our heads. You are being trained and you are being trained pretty darn effectively. And this is what your life is on earth. It, think of that. That's why when you go through these trials and tribulation, when your significant other leaves you and just like wipes you, wipes your money out and, and this is like just not honorable at all. You just kind of go, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I must have done that to somebody else in my previous life. And I've just learned never to be like that person again. That's how you should take these trials and tribulations instead of saying, I'm going to get revenge, you know, on that person or the next person I have a relationship with. I'll be just as mean as that person was to me. That is the exact wrong lesson because you're going to have to learn that lesson again in either this life or next life. You really want to say, Oh, okay. And then you just have to laugh at it. You have to laugh at like, Oh my God, what did I do? That's what I try to do. And it helps. So this is, and this is why, you know, when you learn more about the spirit world and how everything works, we're in this classroom, we're in this, you know, boot camp of learning how to really behave in whatever circumstances. You know, it's like when you're training to be a policeman and they, they'll get yell in your face or in the, in the army, Marines, whatever, they'll yell in your face, they'll spit at you, probably not anymore, but they'll do all these things and you just have to keep cool. That's kind of what we need to do too. It's not easy, but that's part of training. And everyone has to go through it, men, women. It's just, that's the way it is. And it's for our benefit. Because if you think about the power of a high spirit, they have immense power. And would you want someone, you know, who's like sometimes like I am, like sometimes petty and I might lose my temper less and less as I go on. But say, I, you know, I still do. You want me to have immense power to change the whole world because of my thoughts? I don't think so. No, you don't want that. So you are being trained for something magnificent. So let me carry on. Well done, said the grandmaster of the ceremonies. So he goes, now, well, now you others go and do likewise. And the drinking started again. And after a time, I found in some way I could get a sort of satisfaction by twining around a man. So he means like absorbing, going into a man 
and then feelings. He's going to explain it. He goes, it was not exactly drinking, being more akin to the satisfaction one gets used from smelling alcoholic spirits, but it was grand and yet unsatisfactory, a sort of Dead Sea fruit. So we hung around that pub for many a day, and I learned even to take possession. I can't describe and won't how we got possession, but it's something similar to the way in which I am able now to write. You need not fear. I don't wish to do these things now. He's talking to the medium. And if I did, there is a great guardian spirit who stands by you, not to mention your own father-in-law. Now, I'll give you a rest as Mr. L has arranged. Besides, I've told you enough about the drinking den, and then we'll go further in the next session. So here's the next session. Now the officer's again talking to the medium. He says, now I think I better explain who the drink guide is. He is not an elemental, nor is he the figure conjured up by the thoughts of men. He is created by the lust of all who desire drink, ergo to excess. If all the world were to cease to, decide, to desire strong drink tomorrow, he would gradually fade away, not all at once, because we over here would be able to sustain him for a little. But as we should no longer be able to gratify, even in the shadowy way I've described, our lust for drink, in time he would fade away for want of sustenance. So too with all the lusts we know. The old idea of the seven deadly sins was not far off, but there are a jolly sight more than seven. The demons created by the imagination of men fade as the men who created them. By thinking of them, move on, but unfortunately, they are always being created by other men. Some parsons do quite a lot towards people in hell with devils, while they torment, as we have been taught to believe they would. Those who have not been taught about them don't see them. So again, he's telling you a lot of this stuff is in our minds, and people who think they deserve hell and think they deserve to be their feet to the fire for all eternity, now that won't happen. But what the spirit world does is if, if they think they're that bad and they were that bad, they'll let them, you know, experience that for a while. They'll think it's for eternity, but it's not. That's part of their punishment. He goes, the elementals are quite different. They exist of themselves as much as we do. How they originally came into existence, I do not know. But you must not suppose they're all bad just because I speak of them as such here. They are blithe, lighthearted spirits who hunt dwells in woodland glades. The fairies of our childhood, innocent children, still do occasionally see them, but as they are laughed at for their pains, they cease to believe them and so lose their power. Now, this is something, these type of elementals, I'll stop there for a minute. Now, you don't really, so far I've not read a lot about this. I, I know they have said in the books, and I go over this in my, in my book, Spirits in this uh, Spirit World and Spirit Attributes. There are all sorts of levels of spirits. And there are, there are what you, he calls elementals. There are, there are spirits that take care of the geography. There are spirits that take care of, you know, nature and animals and plants. Now, we, the humans, as far as I know, right, when I say humans are incarnated or discarnated, humans, I'd say spirits with free will. We have free will. We have instinct, of course, like animals, but we have a lot more free will. Animals, there's not a, a complete dividing line, but most animals are really powered by instinct. Some of them have a little bit of free will, which you've seen in your cat, dog, horse, or, or whatever, but they're mostly guided by instinct. 
we have instinct too, of course, that, and that's with us in life after life. But we have free will to do as, as many good things or bad things as we want. But there are all sorts of other types of, 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 you know, I don't know what to say this. You can call them elementals, but you can also call them, when you look at the spirit world, as if this, this huge, complex operating system, this complex environment, right, with, with data all around, you know, like you can see it, we're in the matrix. But, you know, if you're, if you think as you're in the matrix, there has to be these control environmental, uh, applications that are not allowed free will and yet are, are have, are affected by some stimuli. Think of a, uh, think of a, a video game in which you have an avatar and you're giving commands to the avatar to go from one, one place to another. But in the background, as he goes from one place to another and, and as the clock goes around, the shade may different, right? The sun, it may turn into night, right? There's something in control of these other things. And I believe that there's all sorts of these other types of controls around to regulate our environment, our physical environment. And then, of course, there's many, many different dimensions. There's different physical dimensions that we can't see. And, of course, there's different uh, spiritual dimensions we can't see. And there's probably different spiritual universes. So, I mean, we are into this, this super complex, beyond our imagination, you know, of complex and compacted data. And in fact, let's talk about that just for one second. I can go on this forever. And I'll give you an example. In the spirit world, they say, you know, they ask, what is distance? And what the spirits have told the G. Val Olin, it says, no, you can't think in distance. So if I think in, Right now, if I say, okay, if I want to go from Earth to the moon, that's a rather long way. But he says in the spirit world, you don't think of distance. You think of absence or presence. Absence or presence. It's either there or you're there or you're not there. Now, how can that be unless the spirit world is this huge, logical, dense data ball, let's say, data infinite ball, where you say, okay, I want to be in the moon, and I want to change my state to be in the environment of the moon. Boom, you're there. And, of course, in the books by Andre Luis, he talk about volatation, which you think. Now, volatation is you can think and you're there, or you can think and you can travel there at huge speed, the speed of light is not a speed limit in the spirit universe. And you can kind of see things as the, as the, as you go by. So there's like a, a change of state or you can see a rapid amount of change of states to get to the state you want to be. Very interesting. So anyway, let me get back to what I was talking about. Now he says, but often, Death warnings are given by elementals who come scenting death. These come hoping to draw some physical substance from the dying person. Now, I believe a lot of times uh, the officer is confusing what really elementals are with actual uh, humans that have really degraded into uh, a pretty sad fate. Let me carry on. So this naturally leads one to the subject of vampirism, which that same word is used 
in the books by Andre Luis, which is fortunately rare, though it does occur. Not, however, in the crude form usually related in legend. This now has given a glimpse, a rather horrible one, of some of the beings who we meet here. And then the author says, I believe elementals, as he's talking about, those spirits who, through their own mind trap, have locked themselves in recurring primitive loops of desires. They lose their para-spirits. So, yes, that's, that's what's happening. And he says, so, talk about vampires for a second. Those, now, first of all, before I, I go into this just a little bit, remember that if anyone who has any mental problems or things like that, always go to your psychologist, psychiatrist, or doctor. And that's what spiritist hospitals will tell you too. But vampirism is when a spirit will, will actually attach to you, to a person, and kind of take over part of your personality, like an obsession, right? And you'll see this happens to poor people in, in life, you know, um, people who are schizophrenic and a lot of them, I'm going to say all of them, and again, go to your doctor because they are being, they are being possessed by a spirit or spirits. And in fact, in spiritist hospitals, what they'll do to help these people is they'll give them a combination of, of uh, drugs if they need to, like they will in our, you know, in, in psychological counseling, but also they will try to find out who is trying to attach themselves to that person. It's usually, and I can say always, but it's usually a spirit who's trying to punish a human, an incarnated person, because they did something terrible to them or their friends in a past life. And then they try to convince them that let this person grow. The spirit world will take care of, of whatever that person did. They will learn through trials and tribulations how not to be that type of person. And, but that's, you know, this is the chaotic world we, that we actually live in that there, we are allowed on this planet of atonement that these spirits will come and they will really attach themselves or they'll just try and bother you all the time and try to, to amplify your more primitive emotions and your primitive urges. So those are things, again, we have to learn. We, you know, God gave us two things when we're incarnated that are, comes from our pre previous lives, our conscience and our instinct. And our conscience will tell us if some, if we're doing something that's wrong and then we need to do that. We, and then if we have mental problems like that, you really need to pray and meditate besides going to your doctor, but also try and help yourself by asking for spiritual guidance and help. So let's talk about these, you know, what is this, this, you know, when I talk about punishment and evil doers, so, and really spiritism doesn't like to use the word sin. It's mostly wrongs, right? What have we done wrong? Because God doesn't, punish what he does is edify you it's all educational but in the spiritist doctrine let's talk about what alan kardec says so the spiritist doctrine in regard to the atonement that awaits the person who has done wrong in the life to come is therefore no arbitrary or fanciful theory but a logical deduction this is what alan kardec is saying from the observation of facts made known to us by statements of innumerable spirits its principal points may be summed up as follows. One, 
Each discarnate spirit undergoes in the spirit world the consequences of the various imperfections of which he has failed to cure himself during his earthly life. His state in that world, whether happy or unhappy, is the direct consequence of and inherent in the degree of his advancement or of his imperfection. So Alan Kardec is telling us, look, when you go over from the physical world to the spirit world, you'll be in the state of what you need to be. And that state will, depends on, have you tried to be a better person or have you not? Have you been a petty, criminal, materialistic, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to be a saint or like that, but have you really done bad in this world? Because if you've tried to do well and you've done well, and when you die, you will be helped by other spirits, helped out of your physical body. They'll help cut a paraspirit, and then they'll take you to a nice little sanitarium, little hospital in the spirit world, let you recover. But it takes a while for you to get your senses back. The spirit world tells us that actually dying is easier than being born, um, but it does take you a while to recover uh, your, your bearings. And number two, this is what the spirits have said about this is what, you know, could be awaiting the person who's done wrong on earth. Perfect happiness belongs exclusively to the state of perfection. That is to say of the spirit's complete purification. Every imperfection is at once a source of suffering and the privation of an enjoyment and every acquisition of knowledge or of goodness brings with it an increase of enjoyment and diminishes the sources of suffering. So if you can just do simple things like, you know, not gossip at work, not say something bad and say something positive about someone, those are all really important small steps to rewiring this brain. Number three, every imperfection of the soul produces its own inevitable fruitage of suffering and every good quality in virtue of the same law, its own natural certain fruitage of happiness. The amount of a spirit's suffering is thus exactly proportioned to the degree of his or her imperfection, and the amount of a spirit's happiness is exactly proportioned to the degree of his intellectual and moral advancement. A spirit who has still, say, ten imperfections to get rid of, suffers proportionally more than one who has only three or four when he has succeeded in ridding himself of a quarter or half of those imperfections he suffers proportionately less. And when he has to rid himself of the whole of them, he has got rid of every source of suffering and is perfectly happy. It is just as it is upon the earth with our bodily ailments and imperfection. He who has a complication of diseases suffer more than he who has but one disease. And if a man were perfectly healthy, it is evident that he would suffer no physical pain whatsoever in the same way, a spirit who has acquired 10 good qualities has a proportionally greater amount of happiness than one who possesses fewer good qualities. So again, what the spirit world is telling us is the more we work here on earth, the happier we will be in the spirit world. And in fact, I read over and over again. And what they say is whatever sacrifice you make here on earth for you to be better, to, for you to prune that tree of having excess material goods or, or thinking better of someone, you will be rewarded a hundredfold. Whatever sacrifice you make, 
you'll be rewarded 100-fold. And I read that from all sorts of spirits talking to different spiritist mediums. Because, now why is that? Well, first, when they're talking about these qualities that you want to get rid of, when we're told over and over again, even by Emanuel Swedenberg, who uh, went up and, and was actually a witness to some of these kind of, you know, afterlife, you know, I don't want to say trials, but, you know, conversations of what went wrong, what went right. What happens is a person's worst, harshest judge, as far as what they did or not do in the life that they just had, is usually, for anyone who has sort of self-awareness and conscience, is themselves. They are their hardest, harshest judge. And they're the ones that want to say, I want to go back to earth and I want to live a very horrible life in order to rid myself of these bad qualities. In fact, there's this one story about a woman who was a queen of Spain. And she was not a bad person. And the way to describe her is she was the best friend to her friends and the greatest enemy to her enemies. And that she, you know, even though she said she didn't want war, if she thought she could get more, more power and wealth through her husband, the king, then she was all for it. And she did many what she thought were bad things. And she came back life after life, but she felt like, no, I still haven't erased these bad qualities. And therefore she came back as a poor woman, as a completely bedridden invalid for her whole life. For her to finally show what it was to be humble, have no pride, and to accept whatever she's given and not trying to take from others. And in fact, you know, I've been told, my wife and I both been told, we have been in positions of power. And instead of helping the people under our management, you know, we use them to gain wealth for ourselves. And I, I'm sure that's why in this life, I was never allowed to have much money for, for any amount of time. I, you know, I might be paid off or something as a company was bought and sold, but some way, somehow that money always went. I, I didn't drink it. I didn't, you know, do with drugs or gamble it, but I still was probably, I was probably given that what I thought were really great stocks to invest in. Of course, all of them went, you know, to practically nothing. And I'm sure that was, you know, spirits giving me those ideas that I thought were my own. So that's how that works. So just to let you know, that's why you have to kind of, you know, right now I said, well, I know I'm never going to have money because what I did in the past and I just have to accept that. Now it doesn't bother me at all because it's like, okay, good. I know that. And I, you know, I know what it is to lose a lot of money. I've done it a couple of times. It's not a lot of money to other people. To me, it was. It's all, you know, in, in, in reference, but now I know. So then number five, he says, Suffering being indissolubly connected with imperfection and enjoyment with excellence, the soul finds its own chastisement in itself, wherever it may be, and needs no circumscribed place as a scene of its suffering. Hell is consequently wherever those souls that suffer, as heaven is wherever those souls that be happy. So how do people go into heaven or hell? What is that? What is that process? So I've talked about the process of reincarnation and where you're reincarnated and 
the, the pre-planned trials and tribulations are planned because of karma, right? Because you, what you've done in your past life is, is a lot of input into the curriculum of your present life and your present life. If you want to have a good next life, be as good as you can in this life because that's going to decide your your next life, right? But so where do you go? Well, the other thing within this set of divine laws is the law of affinity. So that means that you go where there's others like you. Same type of pleasures, desires, intellectual pursuits, character, personality. That's where you go. So if you're a pickpocket who likes to take advantage of people, you won't go to heaven because there's not that many, there's none of those guys there, right? But there's plenty of them in either the lower zone or below. You'll go with others like you. And it's kind of like the opposite of the golden rule, right? Treat others as you would want to be treated. Well, what that happens to them is they are treated as they have treated others. So if you're, if you're like a petty criminal, you're going to have all these people around you that are trying to take advantage of you. And, you're, and so what this means is that the, how the spirit world gets people to change their, their outlook on life is they put them in, in a, in an environment where they go, oh, this is not a good idea. I didn't, I don't mind being this way when I'm the only one I can take advantage of people. But when everyone takes advantage of me, maybe I'm learning. I shouldn't do that myself. That's kind of the first spark that turns on. And he, and he looks into the light and he says, God, you know, Jesus, please help me out of here. I, I want to learn to do better. And that's when the spirits will come down and say, oh, we, we have a path for you and we'll get you going. So, and there's a lot of spirit colonies in the lower zone. And even in the dark abyss is what the spirit world calls the purgatory. And they'll have, they'll have outposts in there that these people will go and they'll start learning about themselves, about the spirit world and how to change their attitude and their character. So number, um, number six, the good or evil that we do is a result of the good or evil qualities possessed by our spirit, not to do all the good, which we have the power to do is evidently the result of imperfection on our part. And consequently, as every imperfection is a source of suffering, a spirit suffers not only for all the evil he has done, but also for the good which might have done, but did not do during his earthly life. Number seven, a spirit suffers through the wrongs that he has done in order that his attention being concentrated on the consequences of that wrong, he may better understand its disastrous nature and be led to amend himself so that's really i think number seven is the key is that those are your trials right you suffer through what you have done wrong in order for you to go oh this is the consequences of what i did to someone else is now be done to me now the wonderful thing about the spirit world is usually what is being done to you is not anything as bad as what you did to the other person in your previous life but if they give you this little hint, like, I don't think that's a good idea. And you still ignore it in one life, your lesson will be harsher and harsher because you may need that hit on the head to get your attention. Let me give you an example. The spirit Camilo Bronco in this wonderful book, Memoirs of a Suicide by Yvonne Piera. 
he committed suicide because he was blind when he was pretty old. He was blind by syphilis. This is around the, the end of the, of the 19th century. He went blind. And then he was brought to this place. You know, he had to spend some time in the, in the lower zone because if you're a suicide, you cannot leave the lower zone. There are exceptions, of course, to this, of course, if, if you're really driven to it unfairly. But then he was taken to the Spiritist Hospital and they explained to him, okay, you thought you're going through this horrible thing, but if you waited a week, a month, a year, whatever, this trial would have ended. No trial, the spirit world, Jesus does not give anyone a trial that they will be permanently defeated. No, there's always a way of victory. Now, that victory could be death, but then you're out of that trial. So then they said, okay, now we're going to tell you why you went through the trials you had to go through. So uh, this guy was blind by syphilis when he was old. He was a famous writer. It was called the Balzac of Portugal. And his book is brilliant. Now, why did he go blind when he was old? Well, he found out he was a member of the Spanish Inquisition. And that he, to give you one example, he had this, this woman he loved, but then this other man came, came along. He was a better prospect and she didn't really like him anyway. And she went and lived with this guy who was a very good wife to him. He wanted to get revenge on this woman and her husband. So he joined the Spanish Inquisition, rose up because he just did whatever they wanted him to. He had no conscience, right? But hey, I, I've been in middle management. I can't fault him for this. And. He finally, and during his past inquisition, of course, these people have a lot of power. They could say, oh, I think you're a Protestant and I'm going to take you and torture you until you say, yes, I am a horrible person. So he took the husband and he put the husband in jail, tortured him a little bit. And then he went to the wife, said, look, your husband in jail. And, and, he, and the wife said, look, I'll do anything you want me to. He goes, okay, you have to sleep with me. So he, he and of course, he slept with a, he slept with a poor wife. And, he, you know, she was just, it was, she was just, you know, he wanted her to love her, but of course she, she loved her husband. And she goes, now, can you give him my husband back? And he said, okay. And he got bored with that. It didn't, it didn't work the way he wanted. He got bored with it. Okay, I'll give your husband back. But what he didn't say is how, in what shape he would give the husband back. What he did, he had hot pokers and he blinded them in both eyes. Gave her her hum, husband back blind, tortured. And of course, the poor husband came back home, couldn't see. And then very soon he got his young son to give him like a, a you know, a letter opener or some sort of little knife and he committed suicide. Now, for this, for this horrible deed, all Camilo Bronco had to do was be blind in his old age. Now, how nice is that? But that's what it works. But now, if now who knows? Now, Camilo's going to have to go back into another life. He's going to have to. He's still going to have to go through a period of blindness. I don't know if it's going to be worse or the same. But that's how this works. This is how this karma works. And, and they said, you know, if you've committed something bad, you're gonna you're gonna learn what it's like to be on the other side. 
So no, then the next one is, is a spirit undergoes the penalty of his defects, both in the spirit world and in the life of the flesh. All the tribulations, all the miseries which we suffer in earthly life are at once the consequences of our own defects and expiations of faults that have been committed by us, either in our present life or in some of our former existences. By the nature of the sufferings and vicissitudes that we have to undergo in our present life, we can judge of the nature of the faults committed to us, committed, I'm sorry, by us in a preceding life and of the imperfections to which those faults were due. So I can't tell you how many people say, if I don't have memory of my previous life, how can I learn? Well, I'm telling you right now, this is how you learn. You analyze what's happening to you. And by analyzing what's happening to you, you have a pretty good idea of what you did in the past. Plus, here's the other, other aspect of it. If during the time of when you were thinking of, should I do this or not? And you had this thought in your mind of doing something that you, you kind of knew your conscience said, I don't think so. Usually what that is, is that's what you've done before in a previous life. And now you're being tempted again. Hopefully, you were going to bring up your conscience and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to commit that crime or this, not I shouldn't say crime all the time, just act of petty jealousy or, or whatever it was. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be mean to that person. That is a vic that is a huge victory. If you could say, no, I'm, you know, that person did that to me, but I'm not going to care about it. And they could have had a, a reason, whatever. I'm not going to worry about it and move on. That is, I cannot tell you how huge a victory that is. And what you need to do when these people do these things to you, and it could be politicians, it could be government officials, it could be friends per se, right? Relations, whatever. When they do these things to you, you need to look at them as if they're just actors in a play and that you are, you are the main the main focus of the scenes of that play. And as we know, in every movie or play, the hero of that play goes through, goes through uh, trials and tribulations that change their character, right? Because why would you care about a movie if, you're, if your hero doesn't change, right? Of course, the new movies we have, they just fight. But well, I mean, a good movie is, that usually the hero or heroine has some basic change that they go through for the better. This is what's happening to you. These people doing these things, they're just actors in a play. They're being used. Their weaknesses, whatever. They're just being used to test and stimulate you to undergo what you need to go. That's right. Don't get mad at them. Just say, okay, well, that person was there for a reason. That person who always says that whatever I do is horrible and making my life miserable at work is there for a reason. I better learn how to get along with that person or I need to get another job, but I know I should never do that to anybody else. That is how you should look. Don't hate that person. Just try and get along if you can. If not, get out of that situation. So I'll just, lastly, I'll just say this. is The expiation of what Alan Kardec wrote. The expiation of wrongdoing varies according to the nature and gravity of the offenses committed. Consequently, the same offense may entail different kinds and degrees of expiation in different cases. According as it may have been attenuated or 
aggravated by circumstances under it under which it was committed. So, and then lastly, I'll just say this. In regards to the nature and duration of future punishment, there is no absolute and uniform rule. The only general rule is this, that every misdeed shall receive its just and appropriate punishment, and that every good deed shall receive its just and appropriate reward, exactly proportioned to the action of which is the consequences. So, I'll leave you with this. For every action, there is a reaction. Sometimes a good action, and sometimes a not-so-good reaction. So I hope this helps um, people explore, you know, the, the world around us. I'll go more into what the officer is. Very interesting. I'll go more into what the officer is in my next live stream on next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Please hit the bell, subscribe. If you want to learn more about the spirit world, I suggest one is you read. Uh, let me show this one first. One is you read the Spirits book. You can get the Spirits book on PDF, free, totally free. I am also, I have books on audio. I have my Heaven and Below book. I have all three of my books on audio. And I have other books on audio. But you can also get my Spirits book. I'm in them in right now here as uh, July 2020. I'm in the progress of doing it. I've finished book one. If you go to my site, nwspiritism.com, you'll see a link on the left page. It'll take you to where I have books on audio. And you'll see... Book one on audio. I have MP3 format and I also have an audiobook format. So you can go sh skip chapters and know where you are. And as I finish each book, there are four books post a conclusion. Uh, I'll post those and then I'll post the whole big book. It's a big file, but you can get the file book one. It's like a Dropbox place. You can download it. It's all free. Costs you nothing. I also have my book, Spiritism 101, the third revelation. If you go down the, the right hand side of, of the, the navigation bar. I have it on Kindle and audio and paperback. And then I also have it on PDF. So you can just click the PDF. You can download the PDF and read it. That gives you a quick summary of spiritism. And so there's all sorts of stuff. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, and then of course, uh, if you want to really explore more and more detail, what I do in my book, Heaven and Below, and Spirits in the Spirit Universe and How We Are Guided by Spirits, I bring in spiritualist literature from multiple spiritist mediums, all the way from Alan Kardec, Leon Denis, Chico Xavier, Yvonne Piera, G. Owen. And I try and, 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 and glean from the information they give us in, in different circumstances, you know, how we're reincarnated, all that. I also have other books on reincarnation, but it all depends what you'd like to read and how you, how you want to learn. Uh, I certainly recommend the spirits book first. But some people want more, you know, a little bit different attitude and, and a different way of learning, or they want more. So it's all there. I hope you, you know, I just put this on the shelf for your benefit, and I'm trying to give it in many different ways for you to look at it. Anyway, I want to say God bless to everyone. God bless.